uh, prayer. Amen. And uh, I want to share with you some things about prayer. Um, that video cam is not on, and it should be on, and because uh, I wanted this recorded. So if somebody could quickly put that together, I would appreciate it. So if somebody, um, um, could you, David, could you put that together for me? Um, <clears throat> the whole aspect of prayer is a dimension of the life of the kingdom that we have to uh, not just do a message and move on and then, you know, never hit it again. It's something that we have to keep before the people of God uh, uh, strategically all the time. And uh, it, it, it seems like I was just doing some some research for this and and studying. It, it, it seems at least there are at least about 20 different aspects and dimensions of prayer, at least. And uh, I, I at least identified about that many. Now, we always just talk about prayer, which is worship to God and we, we're giving God honor. And um, and then there's a petition where we petitioning God for something and uh and then we talk about intercessory prayer. And those pretty much are the three areas of prayer that we're most familiar with. So we talk about intercessory prayer. And uh, I want you to know, though, that everything is not intercession. Okay? All prayer is not intercession. Uh, there is a dimension of intercessory prayer. But people say, well, I'm going to intercede for you. Well, sometimes people need intercession. And, and sometimes they don't need intercession. Hello? Okay. Uh, sometimes it's not about you standing in the gap for somebody. That's intercessory prayer is I'm going to stand in the gap for you and I'm going to petition God on your behalf. Uh, but uh, intercessory prayer is not always what's needed. Okay. Sometimes you need a good warfare. Come on. You need to go to God and you just need to bombard heaven all right, not necessarily in behalf of somebody, but for instance, where we're at right now with the nation, uh, the nation needs a standing in the gap kind of prayer, but the nation also needs some, um, some warfare shifting kind of prayer, okay? And so we're going to talk about only seven aspects of prayer this morning, seven different aspects of prayer. I'm not going to deal with intercession. I'm not going to deal with prayer as worship. I'm going to deal with seven different dimensions of prayer and seven different aspects of prayer. And um, I'll probably continue this as a series, but I want to start at the beginning. And so starting at the beginning, I want to take you to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, and the title of my message is Prevailing Prayer. Amen? Prevailing Prayer, Luke chapter 11, prevailing prayer, and we're going to start with verse 1. Say amen when you're there. Luke chapter 1, and it came to pass that as he, talking about Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now, what do we see here? We see a couple things here. Number one, Jesus is modeling prayer. Yeah. Amen? And, and so the, the, the first principle, number one, 
is to submit to God's school of prayer. Submit to God's school of prayer. Because, you know, we, we, we bring people into the kingdom, and one of the things that we have to be aware of is that kingdom life is different from natural life. Amen. Amen? And so when people are involved with natural life and then they come into the kingdom, you have to retrain the people when they come into the kingdom to function in a kingdom way. Now, when you come into the kingdom and you have not been trained how to pray, how do you pray? Most of our prayers are just from the soul. Right? We just, we have emotional needs. We have some uh, things that we want to put before the Lord and we just go, Lord, help me, please. It's usually one of those kind of Lord, help me prayers. Okay? And so uh, these individuals, uh, disciples who are with Jesus, they're sitting there, they're, they're <clears throat> obviously in a place with Jesus where Jesus is praying. And when Jesus finished, they humbled themselves. Listen to me. They humbled themselves. Humility is very important in prayer. Uh, one of the first lessons you learn in the school of prayer is humility. You have to humble yourself to make sure that when you come before the Lord, that you're not coming with an arrogant attitude or you owe me attitude. Come on. Uh, and so these disciples recognized when Jesus finished praying that they didn't know how to pray. Amen. Can you can some of us just say, I, I don't know how to pray sometimes. Come on. Uh, can we just acknowledge that I, I don't know how to pray? And, and so Jesus said, uh, Jesus is praying and the disciples, when he gets done, the disciples says, teach us. Show us how to pray. And there's something else that we see here. One of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. That means that teaching somebody how to pray is a kingdom value. It's not something that just came about in 2011 or 2015. This is something that should be part of every discipleship process. And so if you are somebody that's newly come to the Lord, or maybe you've been with walking with the Lord, endeavoring to do the best you can for the last five years, but nobody's really taught you how to pray. You may need to go to God's prayer school. Now, here's the other thing we see is that, again, prayer is not just something automatic that just comes. Uh, in other words, it's, it's obviously whatever the disciples saw Jesus do, it was deeper than what they knew how to do on their own. And so they said to Jesus, teach us how to pray. Amen? And we're not going to go into the depth of the Lord's Prayer, but uh, I do want to share the first segment of it, verse 2. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. So we see about four or five different aspects, uh, four or five different dimensions going on here. Four different things. Number one, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven. 
And so Jesus is teaching. Again, this comes after they say, teach us how to pray. So the first thing Jesus does in response to that is he says, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to honor and acknowledge your father. Okay. How many times do we come to God and we don't even uh, honor and reverence him and submit ourselves to him? Our first response is, oh, God, I need help. I need a job. Right. And, and, and so, uh, you know, I believe sometimes we pray and we don't get results because we don't know how to pray. And so Jesus, the only begotten son of God, is teaching prayer. Now, when he teaches prayer, you want to pay attention. So Jesus says, here's the first step in prayer. Our father, you say our father. Amen. You acknowledge the greatest relationship in the world, which is the father son relationship. Everything in life is based upon father-son principles. It starts with God. And God had a, his only begotten son, and here they are, <clears throat> excuse me, in relationship. And they're in relationship, and Jesus is teaching you how to be in relationship with his father. And he says to you, look, when you come to him to pray, the first thing you want to do is honor him and acknowledge him and humble yourself before him in reverential worship. And you say, our father. It's the first thing you, in, in all of my prayers, I acknowledge the Lord, God. I say, uh, father, we come before you. I come before you. You're honoring God first. Amen. Our father, who art in what? Our father, who art in heaven. And so you're acknowledging that God's not in the same locality as you. <laughs> and and, and you're, you're acknowledging and ascribing to him the fact that he's in a higher location than you. And whenever somebody's in a higher location to you, you humble yourself and you submit to them because the higher location indicates that humility requires that you submit to the higher location. Amen. These are all kingdom principles, life principles that people, unfortunately, come into the kingdom and they never learn. And so he says, first of all, you acknowledge our father who art in heaven and you recognize by virtue of the fact that he's in heaven and you in earth, that he's in a higher and a greater place than you. Yeah. Automatic, instantaneous humility. He says, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means sanctified and sacred. You are set apart and you are sacred. You are sacred, God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So when I come to you in prayer, I'm recognizing your holiness. There's no impurity in you. I'm recognizing that you are sanctified, set apart in a place that I'm not. And so as I bring my petition of prayer before you, I've already done three or four things already to make sure that before I ever release my prayer petition, I'm in a right relationship with you. 
which is one of the things that people don't do necessarily correctly, is that don't, they don't acknowledge God and put themselves in a proper position before God when they come to God in prayer. And again, when you do things according to God's script, you get God's results. Amen? And so he says, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. If you're going to come to God in prayer, you got to acknowledge and you got to come to him with this representation. Whatever I present to you today, it's about your kingdom. Hello? I know I need a job, but here's the deal. I want your kingdom to come. Because if I get a job and it's not part of your kingdom, right? If it's not something that you have released from your kingdom, even if I get a job, it's not going to be the right job. Hello. Uh, Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, hallowed be your name. Uh, thy kingdom come. I am petitioning you, Lord, for the husband that I've been looking for for the last five years. Lord, let my husband be a kingdom man. <clears throat> Why? Because I want your kingdom to come. I'm not petitioning you just for somebody warm to lay down next beside me. I want your kingdom to come. I want your kingdom to come in my job. I want your kingdom to come in my relationships. And so when you come before God and sometimes you struggle in prayer, even for a mate, because you're not asking for that mate to be part of the kingdom. Hello? If you get a husband or a wife who's not a kingdom person, you got some work to do to get them to a place of kingdom. So you're not just praying for a husband or praying for a wife. You're praying for thy kingdom come with the wife. You're praying for thy kingdom come first. I want a kingdom man. I need a kingdom woman. Because if they're not kingdom, we're going to have problems just centered around kingdom. That is assuming that you're a kingdom person. If you are a kingdom person and you're walking with the Lord and endeavoring to do the best you can to please him, you don't want somebody walking with you who doesn't know the Lord. Hello? Because if you get somebody with you who doesn't know the Lord, there's two things going to happen. One or two things. Either they're going to pull you down to their level or you're going to have to raise them up to your level. Either way, there's some work involved. They're either going to have to work to get the God and the kingdom out of you, or you're going to have to work to get the kingdom in them. Hello? So God says, here's the way you structure your prayers. Make sure whatever you're asking God for, ask him for kingdom. Thy kingdom come. And then after thy kingdom come, may your will be done. School of prayer. Your will be done. I, I know I have certain things I want. I know I have certain desires. But what I really want is your will to be done. I, I know it looks like this is what I want. I know it looks like this is what I need. 
But really, I want to submit myself to your counsel. Come on. Are we really willing to submit our lives to the counsel of the Lord? Lord, I want your will to be done. Not, not my will. Uh, look, before you ever got saved, you were doing your will. And where did it get you? So when you come to the Lord, stop trying to twist the Lord's arm to do your will. God, you know I want this. Why haven't you given it to me yet? Well, maybe it's not his will. You might need to go back and ask the question and really evaluate your prayer and find out whether the request that you made was really about his kingdom and really about his will. Amen? And so, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In where? In heaven, just like in heaven, so in earth. And so, your desire is again that heaven comes down into the earth. And so, look, there are things that are already, God already has designed for you in heavenly places. And you want that to come into manifestation in the earth. And so what you want in lining up your prayer, school of prayer, is God, whatever you already have designated for me, you knew me from before the foundations of the earth. Uh, you've said that I'm seated with you spiritually. I'm seated with you in heavenly places. And therefore, whatever is going on in those heavenly places that has Eric Warren's name on it, I want to bring it down into the earth. Amen? I, I want it to come into the earth. Whatever has my name on it, I've received prophecies. I've received prophetic words that are over my life. And, I, you know, here's the way you discern whether those things are of God. Uh, one of the ways you just say, okay, God, I know Prophet Kramer said you're going to meet so-and-so and so-and-so -so is going to happen. Okay, God, your will be done in the earth just like it is in heaven. If that is what was just spoken, if that is really what's happening in the heavenly places, I'm petitioning you, Lord God, that what's happening in heavenly places manifests itself in the earth. Amen? That's what you really want. You don't want anything less than that. Amen? You don't want anything less than what God has already written in heavenly places for your life. That's really what you want. You'll never be fulfilled living out your own carnal desires. There's a lot of things that the natural man desires and longs for, and there are even things that we petition God for as a natural man. But you really don't want, really you don't, what your flesh is asking for. Sometimes your flesh has to make an adjustment to be in compliance with the will of God. Amen? I can tell you many, many stories. I'm not going to tell you any this morning. But I can tell you many, many stories when my flesh was out of step with God. And I was asking God for stuff that he didn't want me to have. 
And it took me a long time to figure it out. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, here's the thing. If you're really petitioning God oftentimes for something and, and it doesn't manifest, uh, there's only two things you can do. You can make it happen yourself. <laughs> In your own time and under your own circumstances. Or you can just wait. You can just wait. And you know what? I've, I've learned after a few years of living that it's better to wait and get God's best than to grab something that's not God and suffer. I'd rather have three years worth of a God thing than 20 years of a flesh thing. Can I get a witness? <clears throat> you know, I, I oftentimes think about the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus lived three years after he was commissioned into ministry. Now, we don't know a lot about what happened between birth and 30. You know, we're some extraneous writings that say certain things, but we, the Bible doesn't tell us. Let's just put it that way. A lot about what happened in his life between the time he was born and the time he was commissioned in the ministry or released in the mission, ministry. But what we do know, we know that he lived a full life, obviously, even before he was commissioned in ministry. But one thing we do know, by the time he stepped into the complete, divine, perfect will of God, those three years of his life were the most complete, most full, most fulfilling years any man could ever live. And I oftentimes think, God, if I could just have a portion of the three years that Jesus lived after his ministry was commissioned. If you could, in any span of my time of life, if you can give me a microcosm of that experience, what was it like to have three years of walking in perfect harmony with God. And even during that period of time, Jesus, when it came time for him to make his ultimate sacrifice, still had to ask God, not my will, but yours be done. The only begotten Son of God had to come to God after all of his perfection, after leaving heavenly places and saying, send me, I'll go, and being in perfect compliance with the will of God, he comes to his ultimate place of sacrifice. And he says, God, if you would, would you just please take this cup from me? I really don't want to have to go through this experience called death. But I'll go through it if you want me to. How many times do we just go to God and just say, God, I see this mountain up here. I really don't want to climb it. 
but I'll climb it if you want me to. Usually we say, uh, just remove the mountain. <laughs> okay, God, here's a mountain, and uh, you know I got to get to the other side. Remove the mountain. Just get rid of this mountain, but maybe it's not God's will to remove the mountain. Maybe the will of God is for you to climb the mountain. And the question is, are you willing to climb the mountain just because it's the will of God? Because if you are, and if you do, the result of being in the will of God will be much sweeter than anything you could have manufactured. Amen? So that's principle number one, the school of prayer. Amen. Submit yourself to the school of prayer. And then, of course, you've got the rest of the record there, and you can, we could talk about that in another time, but um, that's just the open door. And then number two, uh, I want to share with you triumphant prayer. Triumphant prayer, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3. And uh, I want to show you this record here uh, because there's so many incredible records on prayer in the Bible. Uh, this particular record is a record of triumphant prayer. <clears throat> Oftentimes we come to God in prayer and we're defeated, we're beat up, um, and we come begging. And, uh, you know, our prayer to God is very weak and it's very soft and we're just defeated, right? I want to show you that there is a whole nother place of prayer. And again, uh, my objective in sharing these things with you is to expand your understanding of prayer. Okay? You know, I, I really think that if people really understood prayer, if the people of God really understood prayer, prayer times would be packed out. We struggle. We really struggle with getting good, solid prayer times. We have prayer call times for corporate prayer, man. You know, maybe a third of the congregation. If you can get a third of the congregation, you got a good crowd. This is not just... This is all over the body of Christ. Oh, you talk to any pastors, they tell you, look, man, I mean, you know, prayer is when we call out for prayer, man, it, that's the time. It's a struggle to get people to respond to prayer. Corporate prayer, wow. You usually have small numbers. I think if people really understood the power of prayer and the different aspects and dimensions of prayer, they would respond a little differently. And so another part of my objective is to really expand and open up some areas of prayer that maybe you haven't thought about or even seen in the Bible. And as a result of that, it will motivate you not only to pray more, but also to respond in times of corporate prayer, which is very significant and very important in the season of life that we're in right now. We're in a season of life in this nation and other nations around the world we're in a place in the kingdom where if people don't pray and they don't know how to pray and they don't start loving prayer, it's the only hope. Amen? And so here we are in 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1. 
Finally, brethren, and this is Paul, okay? <clears throat> and Paul has some incredible, one of Paul's greatest uh, assignments was to release revelation from the throne room for the New Testament church. And so here's Paul, and uh, he's, he gave thanks for the Thessalonians and uh, uh, those in Thessalonia, and, and, and he's giving them some instruction. And then, verse 1 of chapter 3, he says, finally, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Now, this is um, triumphant prayer. And Paul says, pray, first of all, for us. Pray for us. Who are the pray for us? I think I saw somebody put out yesterday, uh, pray for your leaders. Was it you, Jason? Was it? Yeah. Pray for your leaders. Paul said, pray for us. Pray for your leaders. Okay? Pray for us. Pray what? He said, here's what I want you to pray for us, that the word of the Lord may have free course. That the word of the Lord will have free course. So in other words, uh, pray. That's why I said, put that camera up there. Why? Because the word of the Lord must have free course. Uh, the word free course means to advance with speed. This is a means for the word to advance with speed. The word of the Lord that's released must be able to advance, and it must be able to advance quickly. So Paul said, pray for us that the word of the Lord will be able to advance with speed. So Tony, pray that the word of the Lord will advance with speed, reference to our conversation last week. Pray that the word of the Lord will advance with speed. Pray that it will advance with speed. Pray for us. Pray for your apostle that the word of the Lord will be able to advance with speed. That the word will be released from this place, but it will be able to re, uh, advance with speed. That did God really say will be able to advance with speed. Uh, that it doesn't get boxed in, that it doesn't get locked up in one place, that it's able to be able to release with speed and advance throughout the earth. So you want to figure out, you're an intercessor, you're a prayer warrior, you want something to pray about, there it is right there. Pray. That's what, that should be one of your prayer points right there, that the word of the Lord that comes out of the mouths of the apostles and others that are in this house will be able to advance with speed. It's a prayer point. Amen? That it'll have free course and be glorified. And be glorified. In other words, that when it is advanced with speed, when it goes out there, that it will be appreciated and embraced for the unique grace that's upon it. Amen? And so if you believe there's good word coming out of this house, pray that it'll have free course. And pray that that word will be glorified. That God will breathe upon it and it will have a dimension of magnificence. When it hits the hearts of people, they'll go, wow, that's the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. 
that will have free course and be glorified. Even as that word was glorified with you. And so Paul said, I know you've been a beneficiary of a good word. And I know, Pastor Henley, you have been blessed by this word and you've remained in the house because that word has had free course in your life. It's done some things to reconstruct your life. And it's really been made brilliant and magnificent in your heart. Now, just like that word has impacted you, pray that it impacts somebody else. Amen? Pray that it impacts somebody else. As Apostle Curlin said, invite your friends. Don't say, well, I don't know if they can handle this level of word. Pray. Pray. I hear that too often. I don't know if they can take this. This is a, this house. Oh, please pray. Pray that when the word is released, that God gives it free course that is magnified in the hearts of the people. Pray that if a derelict drunk walks into the sanctuary and sits in the back row, that the word of the Lord will impact him in a powerful way and change his heart. Don't say, well, I don't know if that drunk can uh, take the word. I don't know if I should invite him because he's just a stumbling drunk and he can't handle the kind of word that comes out of this house. Please. Who are you to disqualify certain people and exclude them from the realm of revelation that's coming out of this place? Pray that the word will have free course, be glorified, magnified, and exhibit brilliance, even as it has with you, Thessalonians. You see how it changed your life. Does anybody in this place have any friends that would benefit from the word that comes out of this house? Just lift up your hands. Does anybody? Okay. Amen. If you've got friends that would benefit from this word, where are they? Pray. Pray. We're going to talk about this in just a minute. Pray that the word will advance with speed. Some of that advancing with speed is coming through your lips. Hello? How fast can you say Equipper City Church? <laughs> How fast can you speak the word of the Lord that you just learned last week? How quickly can it come out of your mouth? How fast can you speak? Would you like to come to church with me next week? It took just a few seconds. I'll pick you up. That's the way we used to do it. We didn't give folks our address. You Come on, David. You know, we didn't give people our address. We said, what time can I pick you up? Right? Look, you study the methodologies of all the folks that sell products, you know, multi-level marketing, all that stuff. You study their methodologies. They don't sit around and wait for you to come. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, it's over here. No, they're going, uh, what's your phone number? Right? Why? Because I want to make sure you get there. And, uh, you know, we got a, somebody in your neighborhood, and if you need some directions or you will, yeah. They call you right before the time just to confirm. Yeah. 
Are we still on? The church can learn so much from the world. Can't we? Y'all for quiet this morning. Can we learn a little bit from the world? The world has all of this technology and all this stuff. I'm telling you, they're advancing and advancing and advancing. Whatever their cause is, they make sure that it advances and advances and advances. And they're diligent about it and persistent about it. And we're so passive. We go, well, you know, if they come, you know, maybe if and, and uh, yeah, you know, I invited them two times. I told him about it last year. Pray that the word of the Lord will have free course. Unlock that thing. Amen? So prayer warriors, you got an assignment. Unlock the word of the Lord. Amen. Oh, oh, oh. I, um, I copied this from the Message Bible. This is the Message Bible version of this verse. Listen to it. One more thing, friends. Pray for us. Pray that the Master's Word will simply take off and race through the country to a groundswell of response just as it did among you. And pray that we'll be rescued from these scoundrels who are trying to do us in. That's the next verse. Uh, it says in King James, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. He says, and pray that we'll be rescued from these scoundrels who are trying to do us in. I'm finding that not all believers are believers. Whoa. I'm finding that not all believers are believers, but the master never lets us down. He'll stick by you and protect you from evil. So that's another dimension of prayer, triumphant prayer. You're praying not from a position of weakness, not begging God. You're praying from a position of triumph. You're saying, God, uh, I am petitioning you. I'm, I'm praying right now that the word of the Lord that comes out of this house will have free course. We're not begging for it. We're standing in the gap. We're in the gap. We're praying. We're petitioning. We're making a declaration. I declare that the word of the Lord coming out of this house will have free course and that it will reach individuals that the Lord has preordained and assigned for it to reach. Amen. Number three. Number three is the prayer of agreement. Uh, you all know about the prayer of agreement, but I just wanted to share it with you from this record because there are several things in this record that I want to pull out uh, about prayer. So Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4. Are you all learning something in the school of prayer this morning? Amen. The title of the message again is Prevailing Prayer, but we are literally in the school of prayer. Acts chapter 4, verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own company. This is... Uh, uh, the uh, look, this is you talk about warfare. This is first century church warfare. And uh, here we are 
uh, the apostles and, you know, Peter and all these guys. Peter stood up and said, you know, I'm an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, and this is what I'm going to declare to you about the Jesus of Nazareth that you're trying to, trying to suppress and about the Holy Spirit that he's released. And he comes with a great deal of boldness, and they end up uh, uh, laying hold of him. Amen. And uh, we think we've got it tough, but, you know, we don't have it tough. Uh, when we compare ourselves to the kinds of things that these guys went through. And so verse 21 says uh, they, they were threatening them and they let them go, finding nothing that they might punish them with. And I want to tell you, we're probably going to begin to see these kinds of things in the days ahead. Folk are going to, uh, governmental entities are going to try to lay hold of those who are endeavoring to war for the faith of Jesus Christ. And the word of the Lord says, uh, verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with what? One accord. We see in the Bible many one accord um, uh, gatherings where they are praying in one accord. They are fellowshipping with one accord. One accord is very key, very significant in prayer. It's very significant in prayer warfare. One accord is critical. And so the word of the Lord says they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. So what are they doing? Again, this is the same as hallowed be thy name. Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He's saying, God, you're the God of the whole universe. You're over the sea, you're over the land, you're over these people, you're over everything. The interesting thing, I did a message years ago on um, uh, the different names of God and all of that, and, and one of the uh, names of God is uh, what Daniel called God is the God of heaven. And then he called him also the God of heaven and earth. And the reason that he did that is because uh, Daniel, he never re referred to God as Jehovah. Jehovah is God in relationship with those he's in covenant with. When Daniel petitioned God, he petitioned the God who was over the entire universe. And he says, I'm petitioning you, God, not as a God who has a covenant relationship with your people. I'm petitioning you as the God who's over everything. I, I, I'm petitioning you as the God who's over the heathen, over the magicians, over, come on, uh, it, over, every, over this, this unrighteous king that I'm under. I'm petitioning you as the God who's over every single thing in the earth right now. I need you to move heaven and earth. I need you to, come on, if, if, if a tsunami needs to happen right now, I need a tsunami to blow. Come on. Uh, if, if we need some hailstones, I need some hailstones to fall. Uh, I'm not petitioning you as the covenant Jehovah God. I'm petitioning you as the God of the entire universe. And that's pretty much how their prayer was. You're the God that made heaven and earth and the sea and everything that's in them. Again, this is school of prayer. See, there are some times that require you to pray 
a little different. There are some times where you will refer to God uh, as Jehovah God. There's another time you refer to him as El Shaddai. You see, but you got to know these things. If you don't know these things, you won't respond. Uh, there are times you have to know him as El Elyon, which is a greater manifestation of his presence. Uh, God Almighty. There are times you need to pray and you need to invoke God Almighty. You don't need to invoke Jehovah God. You need to invoke God Almighty because you need the spirit of might. You need God to show up in an incredible, mighty way. Come on. But if you don't know these things, you just have routine pray, prayers and you just pray the same way. Every time you pray, it's the same kind of prayer. Intercessors must have a master's degree in prayer. At, at minimum. You, you can't be an intercessor and still be in grade school. Come on. You, you, you. Look, you can't be an intercessor and be in the ninth grade and just stay there. You're in the ninth grade. You're in the ninth grade last year. You're in the ninth grade this year. <laughs> Come on. You, your, your prayer life is just like it was last year. If you're an intercessor, you should have a minimum of an MDiv, a master's degree. <laughs> You should have a master's degree in prayer. You should be able, come on, and, and then the, the real, the ones that really go in, they have a Ph.D. in prayer. And so the masters and Ph.D. folk in prayer, those are the people that know about El Shaddai, El, El, El Yon. They know about God Almighty. They know about the God of the heaven and the earth and the sea, and they know when to pray the kind of prayer to petition those manifestations or personalities or dimensions of God. You're not just an intercessor because you can open up your mouth and pray. You have to be an intelligent intercessor. Hello? You have to be an intercessor that is proficient. You have to know when it's time for uh, 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 intercessory prayer, stand in the gap kind of prayer. You have to know when it's time for worship prayer. You have to know when it's time for deesis, a Greek word, deesis, which is a prayer of ultimate plea and petition. God, I'm in real deep trouble. And I need you to come, and I need you to come for real. Deesis. It's an ultimate plea and a cry out to God and says, God, if you never came at any other time, you must show up right now. So for those who are going to function truly in apostolic prophetic dimensions, you just can't have baby prayers. You know, you can't be, uh, you know, I go to, you go to bed and, and your prayer life is like three seconds. Uh, was it now lay me down to sleep? I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Don't say you're an intercessor. Don't, please don't. <laughs> don't, 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 don't say you're an intercessor. Please, just. Just say, I just walked into the kingdom 
last week, and I just, you know, that's all I know. And that's okay. If that's your prayer, you know, now lay me down to sleep, then you, that just, you just need to go to the school of prayer. That's all. You know, it's not a big deal. Just, you just need, now you may never be an intercessor, but at least you need to go to the school. <laughs> Amen. At least you need to get your diploma from high school. Amen. You, every believer should at least have a high school diploma in prayer. Amen. And then after you get your high school diploma, maybe you don't want to go nowhere else in prayer. You just have your high school diploma in prayer. And, and then you go on and do some other things. When, but at least you know uh, you got a proficiency of high school diploma. Amen. And you can't join the intercessory team <laughs> unless you just say, I want to join because I think that's the call of my life, but I want to be under tutelage. And you come under tutelage to somebody with a master's or bachelor's or master's or a PhD, PhD in prayer. And they can sit down with you and say, well, well, Brother Fred, um, you know, your mother's sick. Uh, the, 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 the now lay me down to sleep prayers is not going to get it. Okay, so you got to go and we got to go in another place. So sit here with me while I pray. Listen to me while I pray. Watch me while I go in. Yeah. I want you to say nothing. Um, don't even say hallelujah. Just sit there. <laughs> okay? If you say hallelujah, just do it silent. I just want you to observe and watch how I go in. Amen? Okay. What's the next one? And, and so, oh, 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 we're still in chapter 4. And they lifted up their, God, their voice to God with one accord. You the one who made heaven and earth and the sea. And who by the mouth of thy servant David said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? So what's he doing? He's saying, okay, we're in a, one of these crazy environments right now. Come on. Again, this is intelligent praying. Hello? He's not saying, God, uh, uh, they're not saying, God, you know, we thank you, we love you, and you're so beautiful and kind, and we worship you today and magnify your name. No! He's saying, God, uh, we're coming before you. You're the maker of heaven and earth and all that's in him. There's some crazy things going on right now. One of our apostles just got accosted. One of our apostles, they wanted to lock him up forever in jail, and God who by the mouth of thy servant David, now I'm tapping into. Because you know about the Old Testament. You know about the Psalms. Come on, this is somebody that they don't have just a third grade education in prayer. They're going, God, you're the one that our father David said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? So they're saying, God, we're in one of those kind of times just like David was in when people were going crazy. Verse 26, the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord. Does that sound familiar, anybody? Have the kings of the earth stood up? Come on, is anybody on this side? Have the kings of the earth stood up? Have the kings of the earth stood up? 
Have the kings of the earth stood up? Absolutely. The kings of the earth have stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord. We're in that season right now. This is a time, uh, Jeff, for this kind of praying. The kings of the earth have stood up. The rulers are gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Now watch this. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the president and the vice president and the city council and the mayor and every, come on. With the Gentiles, all the unbelievers and the people, they were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord. And now, Lord. So they gathered together against Jesus. They took him in. They crucified him. And now, Lord, I need you to behold their threatenings. I, they, they said that if I preach certain things and say certain things, they're going to put me in jail. I need you to behold their threatenings. Come on. Come on, guys. Uh, we need to kind of start praying these kind of prayers right now. We, we need to be, come on, the people of God who understand how to petition God need to just, not just sit and complain. We need to have some prayer warriors on the wall right now saying, God, these kings and rulers are gathered together against us. Behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all what? Say it loud. They can speak your word. Not that we can run and hide. Grant to your servants that they can speak with what? Boldness. It's a prayer petition. Lord, you see what's going on in the earth right now. Give boldness to your Servants, O oh God, by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy child, Jesus. You talk about healings, signs, wonders. This is a season for it right now. Because there's nothing that shuts the mouth of natural minded people except like the supernatural move of God. Hello? You can complain and talk your stuff all you want to, but when God shows up with a healing, with a sign, with a wonder, with a miracle, your mouth is immediately shut. Talk all of your philosophy, all your sociological, all your opinions, all this other stuff. Talk all your stuff all you want to, but you will know when you've come and had an encounter with God. That's got to be the prayers of the saints right now. We got to be saying, God, the kings of the earth have risen up. What's our response? We want you, God, to start showing up in signs, miracles, and wonders. Come on, saints. School of prayer right here. Your prayer right now should be God start showing up in signs, miracles, and wonders. Intercessors, your prayer should be, God, start showing up in signs and miracles and wonders. Shut the mouth of the devil. At every level, federal, uh, uh, state, and city, government, and the church, let signs and wonders and miracles begin to happen. That'll stop them. 
and verse 30. By stretching forth your hand to heal and signs, wonders, miracles by the name of your child, Jesus. All right. Number four. Number four in the school of prayer is governmental heaven and earth shaking prayer. Come on. Governmental heaven and earth shaking prayer. And that starts there with verse 31. <laughs> and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. I want to tell you right now, we need for God to come and shake up some places so that everybody that's in there gets the Holy Ghost. You know, everybody ain't don't have the Holy Ghost. Everybody that says they love Jesus don't have the Holy Spirit. I mean, come on, you're in manifestation. You understand what I'm saying? Look, what does the Bible says? The whole place was shaken where they were assembled. I'm looking forward for a prayer meeting that the prayer is so dynamic and so strong and so powerful that the whole place begins to shake and people fill with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, yeah. And when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, what did they start to do? Act ugly? Come up with their own opinions? No. They started speaking what? The Word of God. With what? boldness. Start speaking the word of God. They start spitting out the word of God, not some inane foolishness. They started speaking the word of God. You can tell what's in a person by the temperature, by the, the, by the quality of the word that's in their heart, in their mouth, and by the temperature of that word when it's released out of them. You can tell a person's spiritual condition Bam, just like that. I know people's spiritual condition. I don't have to talk to them very long. Because when the word is in you, it'll come out of you. If the word's not in you, it can't come out. It's just it's axiomatic. It's just logic. If there's no word in you, there's no word can come out of you. When the Bible says they spoke the word of the Lord with boldness, the word was in these folk. Did you hear what I said? But they needed something to take it to another level. And they began to speak the word of the Lord with boldness. Earth-shattering governmental prayer. We need people that understand governmental prayer right now. People that understand how to shake the heavenlies, how to penetrate the spiritual dimensions. And I want to tell you, a lot of these things will never happen if the church is not asking for them. Next, harvest prayer. Number five, harvest prayer. There is a harvest prayer, Apostle Carolyn. There is a prayer that will cause the saints to bring folk to church. It's called the harvest prayer. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, and Jesus went about the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What was he preaching? 
the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Now, there's something about outreach that I want you to understand. I want you to understand this. Listen to me. There's something about outreach that you must understand. You will not be inspired, led, moved to speak the word of the Lord to anybody if you don't have compassion for their condition. you got to be moved with compassion. There's got to be something inside of you that says, Bubba is messed up. And I feel a burden to help Bubba. If you can just go by Bubba day and night, every day, every week, and it don't move you, you're not going to be compelled to speak the word of the Lord to Bubba. Right? The Bible says Jesus was moved with what? Compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. We got to be moved with compassion, folks. You see this on several occasions in the life of Jesus. Jesus is moved with compassion and then he goes minister healing. You can't minister healing to somebody if you can look at somebody that's all balled up in a wheelchair and it don't move you, you're not going to pray for healing? No. You, just, you get kind of anesthetized and you just walk by, oh, it's just, yeah, it's just Bobby. You know, yeah, you've been like that all his life. got to be moved with compassion. It's got to be something in you that says, God, uh, c- can you just heal Bobby? You know, I-, I just love to see Bobby get up and run. You know, I, it just pains me to see Bobby when he's in this condition. And so here we are, Jesus moved with compassion. And he's, the Bible says, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. So Jesus is moved with compassion on them because they're just weak. They're going from pillar to post. They're scattered abroad. They don't have anybody to guide them spiritually. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is what? Say it loud. The harvest is plenteous. We don't have a problem with the harvest. Just go down to the rib fest. There's a half million people at the rib fest. We don't have a problem with the harvest. Where we have a problem is with the laborers. He said the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are what? Now, what did God say is the solution to that? Pray. Pray. We're still in the school of prayer. What does God say is the solution to that? Pray. Verse 38, just look at it, pray. The solution is pray Therefore, the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers unto the harvest. So here again, we see another dimension of God, Lord of the harvest. There is a dimension of God that's called the Lord of the harvest. 
intercessors, prayer warriors, those of you who are interested and concerned about outreach, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Maybe they're, they're not because there's no prayer to the Lord of the harvest, Apostle Carolyn. Pray to the Lord of the harvest for what? Labors. He didn't say pray to the Lord of the harvest that people just start running in here. Because we had a big sign and they could see it over the trees. Are you all all familiar with the um, Toronto anointing? way back when the laughing anointing, the Toronto move and all that stuff. People talk about the location. Well, you need a better location. Not really. It's not so much in the location. We, my wife and I went to Toronto to check out the Toronto move. In Canada. The Toronto, the where it was in a warehouse, in an industrial complex. This is not an industrial complex. This is a service drive with some industrial folk in it. I mean, this was an industrial complex where you drove back. There was nothing in there, no sign on the road, nothing. You had the address. You had to drive back into the complex where there was nothing but Mack trucks and buildings and sawdust and all this other stuff. There were rows and rows of industrial buildings, and, 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 and they were doing all manner of business back there. And all of a sudden, you go all the way in the back part of it, and here's this church, the Toronto church, all the way in the back. You could see no sign from the road. There was no advertising. It was just a move of God. Somebody tapped into the Lord of the harvest. And not only did people come from there, come there locally, they came there internationally like us. We had no clue where we were in the outskirts of Toronto, but we got the address and we drove until we found it. I'm not saying that signs are not important. They are. I'm not saying that uh, being in a prime location on Main Street where people can just see you as they drive along every day is not important. That's important. But more important than that is the people who lay hold of the Lord of the harvest and say, send laborers for the harvest. Not, Lord, just send people, just let them be magnetically drawn by the Spirit in Jesus' name. We thank you for the outreach. Bless you. No. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. And then, is it number six or number seven? Is this number six? 
That's number five. Oh, 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 let me finish it. He said, uh, the Lord, the harvest, the labors of few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. What we need is to pray that the Lord of the harvest will stir up in the hearts of some of you who obviously are laborers. And there, I already know, there are laborers sitting already in the house. You're one of those who's supposed to be a laborer of the harvest, and you're sitting. But there are others that the Lord needs to send. And then verse 6, the prayer of faith. Uh, I want to hit 2 in James chapter 5, and we'll be done. James chapter 5 and verse 13. So that's seven, seven aspects of prayer that you have become familiar with this morning. Number one, God's school of prayer started off in Luke chapter 11. Number two, a triumphant prayer in 2 Thessalonians 3. Number three, the prayer of agreement that we saw in Acts chapter 4. And then um, we saw governmental heaven and earth-shaking prayer uh, also in Acts chapter 4. And number five was harvest prayer in Matthew chapter 9. Number six is the prayer of faith for the six for the sick in James chapter five. Prayer of faith for the sick. And the Bible says in James chapter five and verse thirteen, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Now that's you, first of all, first level. If you're sick, start praying. Hello? Let me say that again. If you're sick, start praying. Now, you might need to call 911, but start praying first. Amen? You might need to run to the hospital, but start praying first. By the time you get there, you might be okay. Hello? So is any afflicted among you, let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing songs. Psalms. Verse 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. So you got two instructions here. If you're afflicted, all right, pray. If you're sick, you're laid up in the hospital, call for the elders. You don't need all seven. Just call one, two. Ask the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So if you're sick, pray. And if you're sick, have the elders to pray. Hello? Don't forget that. Sometimes you can become so comfortable in your environment that you forget that there is an anointing on the elders that you serve with. There is a grace. I can tell you a whole bunch of folk that have been healed because I laid hands on them. I can tell you a whole bunch of folk that are alive today because we prayed for them. I can tell you a whole bunch of folk that the doctors gave up on. We got one of our members, the doctor, doctors gave up on her two years ago. Two years ago, she's still living. 
And let me just say, at some point in time, if the Lord tarries, she's going. She she like you, like me. She's going to pass away. But that that's not that's immaterial. She got another two years of life. Hello. If the Lord tarries long enough, all of us are going to leave here at some point in time. But her life was extended. They don't know today why she's still living. I think she's living because of the prayers of the saints. I think she's living because she's had multiple prayer and hands laid upon her. And the prayer of faith, the Bible says, let the elders pray over you and pray the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is different from just old general prayer. Oh, Lord, just bless them. Bless them. May they just, you know, soar with the wings of eagles. eagles fly. No, prayer of faith. It's a prayer of faith. There's a pray, a prayer. When you lay hands on somebody and you pray, you literally are tapping into the supernatural dimension of faith. Exercise faith. And, and the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, without faith, it is impossible to please God. But Jesus said, if you have faith, you can say to this mountain, be jump, go jump in the sea, and it shall be done. Elders are supposed to be men and women of faith. You heard Elder Marla stand up here and tell you how she was out of job, out of a job for two years and lived in faith. You know why Eld, uh, Elder Marla is an elder? Because of her faith. She's not an elder because, you know, she's a nice person. <laughs> she's not an elder because she does weddings well. She's an elder because I needed somebody on the elder board who was a person of faith. Who knew, who knew how to believe God in spite of adversarial situations and circumstances. Who is willing to stand no matter what happens. Who understands that if you take a stand in the middle of adversity, if you keep tithing when you don't have any money or it doesn't seem like you have any money, that's an indication of faith. I'm not going to put anybody on the board that doesn't tithe. That means you have no faith. Why should I put you on the board and you don't even have enough faith to believe God for your finances? Absolutely. Oh, is that a standard in this house? Absolutely. You got to tithe. If you want to be in any significant kind of position, you can argue about Old Testament, New Testament. Bottom line, you need to tithe. It's as far as I'm concerned, I don't know of any, I was thinking about this the other day, I don't know of any apostolic or prophetic house that the leadership doesn't practice tithing and believe in it and teach it. Now, you got a lot of different other dimensions of folk. They argue with you about all this stuff. I know nobody in the apostolic and prophetic arenas that doesn't implement, execute, walk in the principles of tithing. Don't know any. You have, to, you have to figure out where you're going to walk and how you're going to walk and what house you're going to walk in. Tithing 
It's just an elementary, entry-level, New Testament dimension of discipleship. If you can't structure your finances in such a way that you honor God by giving him 10%, you don't have faith in finances. And you will always struggle financially. I've never seen it not work. For somebody who decides that I'm going to pursue the Lord, follow the Lord, I'm going to walk with the Lord, but they refuse to practice the tithe and give God, honor God in that way, they're always going to struggle financially. Financial miracles will never be their portion. And other kinds of miracles as well. You heard Dr. Fletcher say, prophets, there's no such thing as a person who's walking in a genuine office of a prophet and they're stingy. Whenever you're stingy, that means you don't trust God. It's just that simple. Whenever you are afraid to give to God, that means you don't trust him. And there's some men that actually get into the category of 40, 50, 60% giving because they trust God that much. You can't even begin to walk in great faith if you can't release your finances. You can't. That's one of the things that is a litmus test. Is this person a giver? If you're not a giver, it's an indication. It's not about the money. It's an indication of your faith. And so, last one. We're in James still. The prayer of the faith was going to save the sick. And then um, uh, uh, verse 7 or verse 16b is the final one, effectual fervent prayer. Number seven in this school of prayer is effectual fervent prayer. James 16, 5, 16b, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Did you hear me? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I think this is one of the most powerful sections of Scripture in the Bible. Effectual fervent prayer. The word effectual means powerful and energized. Effectual fervent, powerful, energized. That means, effectual means it's going to accomplish its desired end. And fervent means it's white hot. Are you hearing me? It's got some fire to it. Amen. I want to tell you, if you're going to come pray for me, put a little fire in it. Amen. 